we look at Amelia's jaw, had a pretty soft first section in comparison to Tricks of the Trade, but the extension in the mid-race was fantastic, like 11 points. It's a, it's, a it's a two second squeeze in the mid-race, Ralphie. The last 400 metres was pretty dynamic. Now, if we have a look at the blend of the distribution of energy from the 800 to the 600, the horse is going 2.7 above. It actually loses 1.5 lengths between the six and the four, and then loses, if I compare it again to the six and the eight, it went plus 1.8, but actually loses overall somewhere around a length for that whole spread from the 600 meter point to the 200 meter point. That's what it's lost overall. And then the last 200 meters, a massive extension like plus five, giving you a clear signal that the distance isn't gonna be any issue at all. And I also believe, even though I, I feel there's at least a length of improvement to come, because I haven't got a ceiling, I might be incorrect with that assessment because I have to factor in a bit more due to the early speed, because the horse's capability speed-wise can handle much more aggressive pace than that. And therefore, there could be a, you know one to two lengths as opposed to, at the moment, I'm, I'm pinning the horse around a length. God has chosen, it's ironclad straightening for home though, ironclad little length and a half, on the outside Bustler comes in and search and rocks, behind those Amelia's Jewel picking her way through, Cascadians coming down the outside, Amelia's Jewel out after ironclad, Amelia's Jewel hits the front and Walshie's West Aussie Wonder Philly has won the Northerly, Amelia's Jewel scored from Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. G'day, thanks so much for checking out our year-round carnival podcast a day later just so we can get all the uh, data from the various meetings that of course featured the northerly, as you heard there, Vince Accardi's thoughts. Now, that preamble was from our members bonus, our group one members bonus that we recorded after the railway stakes and what Vince's thoughts were about Amelia's jewel going to 1,800 metres. And, of course, then the audio, Darren McCauley's fantastic call of the big race underneath a little bit of jewel. G'day, Vince Accardi. Ralphie, good morning. Morning to you. Now, Amelia's jewel, she's put her hand up as the star filly. I'm pretty sure we ranked her the best um, two-year-old anywhere in the country uh, last spring, uh, last sorry, at the end of last season. And actually, that's not a bad starting point that, not often do these two-year-olds really go on when we look at history, but has this filly just keeps climbing. Yeah, and probably a lot of respect's got to be given to the trainer as well, Simon Miller. He's a very good trainer, isn't he? And he, he's he's definitely been able to deliver in the big races. And the way he's prepped the number of horses in terms of when they need to peak, he's done a you know a pretty sharp job and he's been very aware of this horse's capability and obviously he's had a good understanding about what it could potentially do distance wise and he's been rewarded and he's definitely proven to be right that the horse has got a stack of ability the big thing is there's no way we've seen the best of it yet right no, not off that race shape on the weekend. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is Patrick Carberry uh, talking to the West? Um, we got into a great spot. I was able to get off the fence following the one I wanted to be following. I didn't expect it to be like that. I thought it would be a lot more tricky from Barrier 1. She settled so well. The pace went on mid-race, made it even nicer. I got cluttered up a little bit when Searching Rocks Run came around, but she's quickened up so good through a pretty tight gap. Unbelievable. So in that little... Uh, 
bit we played from you from our members' bonus, Vince. You said about her turn of foot, but and then you said we haven't seen the best of her. I'm assuming that means that that's because on Saturday we did not see a fast pace at all in that race. No, and what we've seen is we've seen a runner. Firstly, probably well done the rider as well. Yeah. Very positioned off that race shape, three and a half lengths off, and and the horse is travelling 9.5 lengths below. And this is why when I clearly say we haven't seen the best of us, that run at a mile was 7.9 lengths below benchmark. This race was almost another two lengths slower. And the way it was able to relax and settle, it was just outstanding. Then you look at the mid-race move. The mid-race move, very solid, around 10 lengths, but didn't lose an ounce of sharpness over the last 400 and 200. 8.8 above for the last 400. Five lengths above for the last 200 metres, which matched her performance the start before over a mile. And I have no doubt, had they gone two, three lengths faster, which is still very soft pace, right? Yeah. But this runner would have most likely produced a performance and this is the hard part is the challenge is like where do you put the ceiling even though we don't have one you still got to have some sort of an estimate to you know give you a bit of a guide and I, I just did a, a very very small graph Ralphie and I said okay well you could be plus four plus six range runner you know what that means if they're coming over this side of the world in the future holy dooly and so, we know mayors can keep improving because she's a filly at the moment she's going to become a man in the future we could just make more money <laughs> so they've announced that the the they're staying for the quokka which is a multi-million dollar race in perth and then the spring target will be the golden eagle at rose hills which of course means it won't be counted the cox plate so that, that'll be its sole focus but what you're saying four to six that puts a bang in the middle of a of a uh, a golden eagle winning uh, performance for sure yeah so what's this crocker race Ralph? when's that i think it's in april uh, uh, not, not next week what's that nothing next week <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you, no, we're going to pull up stubs now. So. Uh, pity. Yeah. Well, speaking of next week, it's not going to the uh, to the new um, Gold Rush where uh, where we're going to see Villani, Kementari, Elite Street, Kiss on All Four Cheeks. Uh, this will test you a million and a half uh, up for grabs, and uh, and we'll be doing our uh, our preview podcast of the Gold Rush and the Ingham, the old uh, the old Villiers. There's a million and a half dollars from both of these races, both in uh, Rare Weekend in Ascot. Uh, the Ingham, you got Nugget, Huayda, Brutality, Darjan, Riadini. So uh, big Randwick field, big field at Ascot. So that'll be our preview podcast. Our uh, focus will be on the rest of the Ascot meeting. So if you want the race speed profiles for uh, for Randwick, of course, you still have to go via daily sectionals. But we're going to do a deep dive into those two races and a couple of the other uh, Ascot meeting, uh, races. And then we'll on the Saturday morning, we'll update it all. Uh, I think at the moment Nugget's looking to, to try and get a run in the uh, in the Ingham, even though he's favourite, he might end up emergency. So we'll uh, be updating, of course, that on the Saturday morning as well. So that'll be our uh, preview podcast. You can go via racetrackralphie.com.au to get that. Uh, Vince, uh, prior to the race, you said that 1800 is just a quirky distance, and how often do we see it in, in 1800s that it's not a mile, it's not 2,000, jockey sometimes underrate, or they're overrate the speed. In this case, clearly for a big race, minus 6.1 lead speed, that's just walking. Yeah, like, well, that can only be set up with deliberate intent, right? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe a lot of riders might have had some issues 
Do they feel their horse could run the distance? I'm not sure what must have been going through their minds, but it certainly probably paid pay to most horses as it was a very unsuitable ratio for a lot of runners because they just don't have that capability of um, being able to put huge, uh, how do I call it, sustained speed for a 1,000 metres because that's roughly what you need when you have this sort of setup. Well, and the best jockeys, where I say that they can ride to the numbers or they can feel the tempo. Brad Willow on the ironclad here. What a fantastic run. We had a great run through the race. I was confident we were going to run a big race in straightening. We'd gone through our gears beautiful and we'd gone slow. So he knows they're going slow, but in this case, obviously, sitting outside the leader, it was just beautiful for ironclad. Since $61 was able to overshoot the market. Yeah, well, hopefully a few people might have put that in their multis, even though I might have thought it was probably, oh, I thought it was a fringe player yep. that could have, could have snuck in for a place. But yes, the positioning running. See, what happens when you have that big squeeze in the middle? It makes it pretty tough when you're off a slow speed because what happens is they all just get to build up in lactic and it just crumbles a lot of horses. And therefore, it found itself at the finish at a massive price. It was like nine, ten bucks a place, Rolfie. <laughs> Absolutely. So we can we can um, do whatever forecasting we want before the race, but then when the barriers open, uh, anything can happen, as you always say, Vince, with Chaos Theory and Johnny Allen on the third horse here, Steinem. She raced super. The plan was to be a bit more forward, but she played up in the gates and was slow away. We did the best we could from the situation we were in, and that's that's the case, Vince. So you, you, unless uh, they've played up before, you, you can't forecast that they're going to. No, no, you can't. And this is uh, one of the, the challenges as well. But ultimately, despite that situation, it was always going to be up against, like when it turned out with this sort of setup, up against yeah. a big task to be able to outsprint a horse like Amelia's Jewels. Never going to be easy, Ralphie, for a lot of horses, by the way, because of just the high capacity this horse had. Oh, well, what about Cascadian? Well, I'll, I'll read you what, uh, what James McDonald said and then we'll get your thoughts there. And uh, I know by Saturday morning you, you you were just saying you wanted to focus only on uh, on Amelia's Jewel or maybe Tricks of the Trade at the value. Uh, yes. Cascadian, I, I thought he ran enormous, very proud of the horse. There was literally no speed for a good three or four furlongs during that race. He was out of play from then because he lost touch with them from the 600. He found the line as good as anything. To me, Vince, watching it, I thought he was also on his wrong leg because I know J-Mac had to give him, give him one around the backside at about the uh, 500 round that turn he, he he just looked to be uh, struggling to take the turn but I suppose when you're going at that high speed uh, that's going to make it hard for anything so uh, what's the numbers say there yeah well the first thing is you see this 12.8 below benchmark that's that that's that's pretty slow for this horse no matter what right yeah so I don't know how much of it was intent or not, but of course he's then tried to zoom and make that move, like you said, and didn't appear like the horse was travelling well because he's on the wrong leg. And then obviously when he did get on his right leg in the home straight, probably he was done by then, Ralphie. But he still run, what, a plus 9.1? Yeah. <laughs> so you can't go that quicker. Yeah, he, well, so this is the thing. So you can't give a horse like Amelia's jewel and go through that process another three and a half lengths and expect to have a, you know, to overpower it. As you can see, over the last 200 metres, it probably fell short by about three quarters of length. If you look at the overall 400, they're very similar. 
there was only one there was only one runner that actually outperformed Amelia's jewel, and that was Tricks of the Trade, and that was even further back, like it was travelling fourteen lengths below benchmark. Well, well, Darren's asked uh, one of our uh, one of our uh, members here. We always give our members a chance to ask a question here. Darren's asked, uh, "Love the pod, interesting trick northerly run of Tricks of the Trade, missed the start and settled back in in pace not predicted to the eye, bottled within the length of the winner. Had the sectional stack up the eye, it looked enormous. How was it, Vince?" Yeah, we'll have a look. Minus 14 first section. Then between the eight and the four, it's made a 16-length mid-race move, which is very close to three seconds. It's, that's massive. But well, definitely the last 400 metres, nine and a half lengths above benchmark. That that just shows, and this is the sad part, right, that just shows how much bottled-up energy the horse had, had to be able to produce such a blistering finish. Virtually as good as, well, maybe in some cases, might have been even better than what it did at Ascot last campaign when it went 10.7 overall last 400 when I'm comparing race shapes. It's just fantastic. Hopefully this horse, they've still got another run somewhere. I don't know if there's another race, but I, I can't help thinking this This reminds me a bit of Regal Power, um, who, who didn't miss the start, but he won a, a railway. I think he got beaten in the Kingston Town, but then he came to Caulfield and he won the All-Star Mile the year it was at Caulfield. Um this has got certainly capacity, I think, for a, for an all-star mile type performance, isn't it? Uh, well, the challenge is this. Just when we look at the the overall race shape, just not sure what would happen with the horse if you have to run like in a race where you're going sort of plus six, plus eight range. So and in then, the railway, he went plus 1.3 and he, he overall is 3.7. Yes, so and, that's, that's, and I feel that's where the horse is at, somewhere around there, which is high, yeah. high performance. Okay, but not quite. So sort of more all-star mile than Doncaster, I suppose, if we're talking about a typical year. Yeah, just uh, to me, it's, it's it sort of shapes up like one one run below. Yep. But now, if you get the right setup, though, in terms of race shape, even speed, slightly above benchmark, not overreaching in the middle, then this is always going to be a dangerous horse because the straight line speed is outstanding. And and around this one off, um, Alaskan God. So Perth Cup, New Year's Day, twenty four hundred. What, what's it showing? Right. Okay. So you got those sort of thoughts. I right. think this is only, the only horse that's probably going to go on at the moment. From from what I've, I'm, there's no at. way the horse is going to take anything negative from the run. That's the first thing. Yep. Just using no fuel. Massive in the mid-race and late. That's always a positive sign from the perspective that sometimes you look at where horses finish in a race, Ralph, and you look at the margin, and other than the first up run where we're sort of like within a length of the winner, then the last start, well, two starts back was 4.8, a little bit in the middle here. You sort of feel like the horse might be going nowhere, but the data sort of indicating you're going every bit as good as any other campaign. You just haven't got the right setup. And yes, this is a horse that's definitely screaming out for more ground. Right. So if this is where you feel they might be going, then at least there's something we could potentially follow because that wasn't the race for it on the weekend, but a, a different race, different distance, it could be something that we could potentially entertain because I'm not labelling this horse as going backwards or sideways. I reckon it's trending in the right direction. 
Nice. Uh, just a couple of little highlights through the meeting. Uh, in race two, not so much a horse highlight, but uh, just just want to ask you there to marry up Darren McCauley's call. Uh, what do you say, J-Mac? Stack and rack for the J-Mac on Street Parade. How slow was he able to get away with this in, front of in race well, two? Well, here it is, you know, 2.8 lengths below benchmark through the first section. He did slow it down, but... Not much, right? Yeah. He went from minus 2.8 to minus 4. So not a massive slowdown, which would be detrimental to to a runner. And then, beautiful, last 400 plus 5.7. Pretty mo- much made it impossible for anybody to be able to beat it. With uh, In race three, Brad Parnham, to the eye, it looked like a perfect uh, blending ride. In other words, as, as the speed comes out at the, at the, uh, at the lead, to be able to just take off at the right moment on Corth. And he's well exposed, 10th running into a preparation, but it looks like he just got the absolute perfect setup. Yeah, it was a beautiful ride, Ralphie. Again, good speed, 2.2 lengths above benchmark was the lead speed. Where's this runner sitting? 1.1 length below benchmark, just over three lengths off that pack. That's always a great place to be because it gives your runner potentially the opportunity to have good energy distribution through each of the sections. And this is all about you know that modelling of race shape. I, I look at the mid-race, not even an overextension. So from minus 1.1 to plus 2.4, it was a three and a half length exertion. And if you look at it like on the day, it was like 58th best mid-race move so you can see no real effort yeah. and then it, it probably peaked somewhere between the four and the 200 meters when you look at those micro splits Ralphie going from 0.3 above to plus 1.8 and then we've seen a slight uh, tail off over the last 200 meters it went 0.8 above or lost the length overall so yeah maximum performance of course a little bit scary when I see that taper at the end because that could mean well maybe the horse not having any more starts who knows but it, Whoever backed it on the weekend, they would have been very lucky. <laughs> uh, you're keen on Trade War to beat the favourite Category 3 on our podcast on the Sunday morning vids on your race speed profiles in excellent order this campaign, although yet to win with his performance from two starts back, highlighting that claim he sustained a good level of speed through the first and second se- section for a sharp 4.6 lengths above uh, final 400 metres, softer race shape, his most recent appearance of prevent him from matching that IVR level. Uh, Brad Willer, that was just an absolute perfect ride. Yeah, now, Ralphie, when you look at the speed, 4.4 lengths below benchmark lead speed, Trade Ward's going 9.6 below, right? Yep. Big move in the mid-race, going three and a half above, around a 13-length mid-race squeeze, and then last 400, pretty solid, plus 4.9. I actually felt the horse slight. It was just its overall capability in the end got this horse victory, but it was certainly was impossible to put down any real performance. And I just sort of sit back here saying, there's no way we're at the peak of this horse's uh, profile yet, 0.3 below. That run could have easily been a plus two. If you just go a couple of lengths faster, it would have had no detriment at all to the overall finish of this horse. And I could have only seen a spiking up in the overall IVR figure. So I know at the moment, current preparation plus one. I, I, I feel this horse is going much better than that. Hopefully there's another run for this horse as well. And and, and tell us in the data because you're watching it and this was such a great rider, Brad Willer. He knew his danger was category three or if he didn't know it, he thought that because that, yes. you know, that's obviously a short short uh, load to his price. At the 600 metre mark, he's got full momentum flow. Category three has it. He's got it in the pocket. Well, this is the big difference, isn't it, Ralphie? You can see, you look at those those micro splits, right? 
between the eight and the six, trade ward going plus 1.8, then between the six and the four, plus 1.7. Then no slowing. Yeah, and then 1.8 between the four and the two. So perfect even distribution of speed. And then you look at category three, plus 1.8 between the eight and the six. Between the six and the four goes all the way to benchmark. There it is, right? The signal loss of velocity of 1.8 lengths. Then it's tried to rebound between the four and the two, and it's gone plus 1.4, still softer in overall velocity flow than trade war. And then, the, you know, when we're talking about an explosion over the last 200 metres, it only picked up 0.3 on the winner. So definitely the superior ride, given the, the nature of the race. Uh, was Carolee Rocks in a non-winning position in race five? Okay. Let's have a look at that. The hot favourite. <laughs> Oh, well, again, we just talked about the winner of the previous race. Not really an optimum position. Lead speed, 4.4. Horses travelling, 9.6. This is a similar scenario. Lead speed is 4.1 below, and this runner's travelling not nine lengths below benchmark. You you are inside the elastic band, but over 1,200 metres, you know, that's pretty wild. Why why be so far back? And, and then you just see the way the race you know, panned out between the six and the four as well. There was a, a few nasty slowdowns there. Definitely didn't help the horse. No, no doubt at all. Uh, I just want to ask you about the uh, the seventh race there with uh, – uh, no, sorry, the, the sixth race because we've got a, a, a member's question now. Mm-hmm. Megazone, this was a horse. You just said it should be single figure odds. You were very keen on it on the, on the Friday. Yep. But this was behind Try For Us. What you did clarify, though, is that Try For Us meant you just had to downgrade because of the, uh, because of the rider. And Darren's asked a question here. Also want to point out, Vitzcardi commentary at the conference and backing a horse with an apprentice jockey. I've never really <laughs> given it much thought, but I'm 100% cured. The ride on Try For Us was like watching a horror movie, not talking through my pocket. As I backed the winner as well, but I thought the rider, because I had the horse in a much more positive position. Anyway, I'm not a jockey basher, but I'll definitely downgrade my bet. I'll stay out in the future. Have a great weekend. Thanks for your hard work. Thank you for being part of our show, Darren. So, um, Vince, that, that, that's the reality, isn't it? it? It's your fault if you don't take into account the capability of a jockey or the form, I suppose, and, and yeah. that's not being a jockey basher. It's being business. Yeah, and that's it. And there's definitely, like, I simply have no emotions, right? You know, yeah. They, they all look like a blur to me, all the riders, right? <laughs> but when it comes to putting money, yeah. right, because that's what it comes down to, skill plays a big role. Experience plays a massive role. And when you don't have, A, many opportunities on quality horses, that's one challenge. B, as you step up in you know tougher races, it becomes even more vital. And unfortunately, this rider just didn't have the right profile. It doesn't mean that you, you can't support it. It just means you have to dramatically reduce your risk because the profile's not there. Because if it had been J-Mac, it would have been a different scenario. Now, it doesn't mean the outcome would have been different. Yes. Right? The outcome could have still been the same, but the reality is you could have a lot more confidence in terms of your the risking of your money. Um, in the uh, in the seventh race, then we'll wind it up uh, there. But um, yep. the the money came for Buzz Zoom, and, uh, and when Johnny Allen goes bang, that was it. <laughs> yeah, it was never in doubt. No, nah, he he was very good on that horse, wasn't he, Ralphie? Yep. And and then when I look at the ride, have a look at the ride. Benchmark early speed. Yep, he's he's four lengths off him. Now, he's sort of backward in the field, but tech on the technicals, you're within a half length of the optimum position. And then the move in the mid-race, I love the fact he didn't overextend in the mid-race. You have a look at that between the winner and the second horse, right? And, th- and this is what I mean when you talk about optimum flow. 
Buzzoom, 4.0 lengths below benchmark. Gun Metal Grey is 5.5 below. So a length and a half difference. That's what a length and a half does when you then look at the mid-race. The squeeze that Johnny Allen created was a 5.6 length mid-race squeeze, about a second. The second horse is 7.4. It doesn't sound like enough, but it's another two lengths, Ralphie, that you have to extend and increase your pace. That has an impact at the end of the race. And you look at the last 200 metres, there was only a 0.1 difference. So there's the efficiency difference. Even between the four and the two, Ralphie, they're going identical speed in terms of velocity when you look at it against the benchmark, further giving the clarity. That horse lost the race in the first section. Had that horse been, let's say, a length closer, might have, who knows, might have been uh, nothing between them in the end, but all, all to do with the ride. Uh, we'll ask a couple of questions on Rose Hill and also Packham Cup Day. Rose Hill, um, the, the track played nice and firm. The rail was out five metres, which, of course, gave on paces uh, every chance there. Ra- race eight in the program here, just a little spitball ahead of the uh, of the uh, Ingham uh, next Saturday, which, of course, as I said, we're going to cover our preview podcast. Brutality, this horse just shows no speed whatsoever. It keeps on getting in non-winning positions. But seven-day back up off that type of big mid-race and, and close – is there a chance that can be some flatness? Obviously, we'll break it down on Friday, but uh, what's your thoughts there on a horse that's a six-year-old having to produce that? Yeah, well, firstly, we, you know, we, we need to say, yeah, probably, you know, that, that track was pretty quick. It might, it was, that wouldn't be too far off, you know, like it's F3, F, well, the G3, F2, right? Yeah. So that track was quick. But in terms of the pr- performance of brutality in particular, Seven point seven lengths below benchmark. Oh, you know why so far back, right? It's fourteen lengths off the lead. You know that that's just crazy, right? Now, yeah. admittedly, six point six is overextending, for sure. And probably the real pace of the race, Rolfie, was somewhere around that two point seven, one point four range. And this is how I'm measuring it. That about like, too far back because even off that curve, like if, let's just take one point four. Now I reckon that's too generous. It's probably somewhere like more like two point seven is the real lead speed. But off one point four, you're nine lengths behind the lead pack. Off one point four, yeah, right. That shows you you're going way too slow. And so the question is why? Why so too slow? Why? Why are you going so slow? What's because the reason it, behind it's, that? It's targets this Saturday. So right. bet fair riders, flop it out the back, and right. it, it's it, it's mile targets this week. At same distance. No mile. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. Mile. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Rightio. Well, so fourteen and a half length mid race squeeze and combined last two sections of what are we talking there? Fourteen lengths. Yeah. Thirteen lengths. Yeah. Okay. Well, as they say, sometimes, sometimes that can work against you, right? When you're having the plan. <laughs> for the future, when you see you don't get the right race shape strategy in play, yep. And sure, they've taken it too easy, but it's come at a price, right? Because the move in the middle and the late, and this is why I can understand why you're highlighting this. When you then look at that blueprint against its historical profile, it's not pretty. It's definitely not pretty. It's not something like you'll be jumping out clapping hands. So of course. The competition is going to play one big role, yep. and then the nature of the race shape will play another role. But in terms of the way you've had to use so much fuel in the mid and late, what you're almost going to guarantee with this horse is there's no speed left in this horse. 
So the freshness in the legs plays a dynamic role in moving forward. Now, trainers can't preempt that, right? Because they don't really know with any certainty about the race they go into, what sort of race shape they're going to get. Yeah. And they've put themselves into a race where they think it will just be slow. And then using all that fuel in the middle and the late, this energy transfers into the future unless you have time away. Now, you're saying this horse is going to run next Saturday? Yep. Okay. Well, let's see who it's racing against. But <laughs> i tell you what, if anybody's wanting to jump into that horse early, be very, very careful. And right, I don't know. Have they got any markets up yet? Uh, they have, and it's uh, third favourite. Well, so what price is that? Uh, so $8. I mean, they're always ridiculous prices, the early markets. But, yeah, it's $8 in the third line behind Huerta and uh, Nugget. So yeah, we'll, we'll, just, uh, we'll break it down on Friday, yeah, well, that obviously, looks like individually. Jockeys. Yeah, that looks like trainers and uh, the bookmakers. Well, maybe the bookmakers are probably saying we've got a chance to make some money at $8 because people will get excited. Well, just, okay. as a, just as a bit of funny, like, so you see Riodini's, one of the favourites of the race, uh, Riodini's going to, you know, it's typical, what, four or five lengths above benchmark. So this... So if this horse goes the same speed, it'll again be in a different suburb. Yeah, so like all things, yep, let's beauty wait. is it'll be a new, unique race, but there are some little signs there. And again, we've got to look at where the horse is in the campaign. I'm sure we'll break it down into great detail, but disappointing that, this, like you said, that looks very deliberate and they should have been going fast. And that they should. It doesn't make any difference to the outcome, by the way. The horse still going to lose natural speed. Uh, race nine in the program here. This time last year, Ma Eustace had Marabi going through its classes in the summer and uh, ended up winning an Oakley Plate. What's your spitball here with IME? You know, we're talking about speed or lack of speed. It, uh, yep. it did set one a barrier troll. Well, he couldn't have won any easier <laughs> in the sense that here you are, 3.1 lengths below benchmark. You're totally controlling the race. And how I can see the total control of the race, because you look at the mid-race. It's as Nothing. gentle as you could ever ask. <laughs> From 3.1 yeah. to 1.9, come on. Yeah. It's not even trying. And then it's all about a 400-metre sprint. So and typically, is. this is the type of horse you'd like to see in a quick backup, because that was a barrel trial. <laughs> 100% you'd want yeah. to see that horse in the backup. Of course, the, the question is, I wonder where they go and what they do with this horse. But, yeah, overall, it's... It's showing good signs, but that yep. was a, a no effort for that run. One point nine below. That's it's almost like having getting a flat line run, and you, and if you ask for a perfect script, you, a script you got it. <laughs> nice. Um, the theme at Packenham well, was two themes. One, uh, the rail went back to the true for the first time since April, and the jockey said that looks like nice lush grass for a backyard. I'm not going to race on it, so they, they didn't want to go near the rails. Um, and that, but the other thing here, Vince, three weeks ago, just a little one I've picked out. Three weeks ago, Cranbird, they were predicting rain. They were predicting heavy rains. They didn't water the track and ended up, the rain missed the place. So the track played lightning fast. Yeah. And what happened? Four of the day's winners on, at Pakenham came from that Cranbird meeting. So how often do we say the best, uh, the best lead into running fast is to run fast on yep. good tracks? Absolutely. It's... When people talk about horses not liking dry ground, oh, man, you know, like, come on. This is when a horse gets to showcase their real speed. Now, of course, if you're a slow horse, it's a big problem. Yep. Yeah, big problem. Because you're not going to run fast. Yeah, because you need to have slow ground so you can slow everybody else down. So for a bit of fun, the Packenham Cup. Now, now this guy, the promising young rider called David Oliver. Post-meeting, I'll, I'll get to what he said post-meeting before I ask you about what he did here in the race. He said... <laughs> 
said, crafting this bugger. He said, I know, I knew he was racing well. I was watching how, how well he was riding before I, I got on him. <laughs> so, so he's riding another horse in a race, watching what he's doing. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting on that horse. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough, too. I mean, the horse was always a serious chance in that race, wasn't it? Yeah, so he's just con- he's controlled the race from third last. Oh, well, there's the perfect place. 2,500 metre race. Where are you? The lead speed's 2.3 above. This horse is travelling 2.9 above. What a great spot to be. Even the extension, well, you talk about perfect rides. Have a look at the move between the 8 and the 4. It's 3.4 lengths. But I'm looking at the micro splits. 6 to the 4, benchmark. 4 to the 2, plus 2, and matched it. I mean, he couldn't have asked for any better distribution. No wonder he looked too good for him. Yeah. Yep. Just a star. Um, and Angawa's returned really well first up, but I suppose it had the look, it had the capacity to because under the, under a, it was almost like a mild pressure that 1200 race. And uh, and again, really good ride. Corner pocket, I want to follow out of this because, you know, as you say, ra- trainers don't know what race shape they're going to get into once the barrier's open. And for a horse with a really good 1400 profile, that was a terrific return at 1200. Yeah, what race was that, Ralphie? Race six on the program. Race six, here. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So corner pocket was the favourite, but it found a high pressure race to resume in. Yeah, geez, this is this is um this is a pretty pretty solid performance, isn't it, Ralphie? Yeah. When you look at the breakdown of the data, mm, very very good. One point six lengths above benchmark between the eight and the four. A little bit of a softening between, uh, uh, sorry, one point six above first section, then a softening of one point five lengths between the eight and the four, and then again really solid overall last two hundred plus two. Probably the big key is the overall last thousand, Ralphie. Second best of the day. Very, very strong. And typically, like you, I like to compare, like you look at a horse like William Thomas when it's running right, you usually get maximum efficiency of sustained speed. To almost match that off a completely different first sectional speed, it's pretty, pretty good sign. So that's our um, goal, the best of the day. So we'll be uh, sending that to our members. So our members will get uh, best of the day from Rose Hill, from Pakenham, and from uh, and from Ascot, obviously. Ascot, that's the end of our Sizzlers there, six weeks of it. We've uh, got some really good information there and found a lot of key winners. So uh, appreciate everyone getting on board there. December's now launched for uh, horses to follow from both Melbourne and from Sydney. You can go there, racetrackralphie.com.au, where, of course, you can get the preview podcast for this Friday, the big Gold Rush and the big Ingham, million and a half dollars each, which is fantastic prize money at this time of year. All of, Cardi- all of Vince Accardi's work via dailysectionals.com.au. Thanks for tuning in to Year Round Carnival.